Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Valerie Rind. Valerie, are you ready to do this? You bet. Excellent. Let's do this. Valerie is best known for her award-winning book, Gold Diggers and Deadbeat Dads, True Stories of Friends, Families, and Financial Ruin. As a freelance writer, she writes about personal finance and lifestyle issues, specifically financial infidelity, marriage and divorce, taxes and death. She's been featured in Forbes, Fortune, Time, Money, MSN, The Huffington Post, Tax Act. She's also a ghostwriter. And one more thing, she's also an attorney. I'm excited to, uh, excited to have you on. Valerie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Okay, it's great to be here, George. Um, as you said, I, I do actually have two careers um, as an attorney and a freelance writer, but the two really have nothing to do with each other. Um, in my lawyer world, uh, I'm a technology contracts attorney. I work for big companies. I don't give legal advice on any subject, either online or on the internet or on podcasts. Um, so you need to keep that in mind that nothing I say is, is legal advice. Got it. I live in, in Washington, D.C., I lived in Australia for 10 years, so I, I still have the passport, but I disappoint people when uh, they hear that I don't have the accent. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So if we could maybe get started, uh, this idea of financial infidelity, just talk about what that is and and what why it is that, that that's of interest to you. Um, that's of interest because of a personal experience that I had. The broad definition of it is when uh, one person in a couple hides something from the other one. It could be uh, a lot of debt that they have that they just never fessed up about. It could be some major asset that they're hiding away. But it's something that causes a breach of trust, um, which is only the start of trouble. Got it. And... I imagine that's a fairly common thing. Unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> is there a way to, to, to gauge how often that is one of the precursors to people splitting up? No, I haven't seen any statistics, but the, the more that I write and the more people that write back to me and the more that I read, um, we realize that it's really an epidemic problem. And then if you think about all the people that don't talk about it, that gives you some idea, unfortunately, of how much there is of that going on. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that for everybody who does raise their hand and say, hey, this actually happened to me and here's my story, there's probably a lot more people who are embarrassed by it or, you know, just all those emotions and anger that, 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 that surround it. I would probably, I, I don't, I wouldn't blame somebody for keeping that to themselves. Right, right. And I, I cringe when I get letters from people when they confide in me the things that have happened to them and I can't really do anything to help them. I'm not a counselor. As I said, I'm not a lawyer. I can make some suggestions. I might ask them to consider going into counseling or gently confronting um, their spouse or significant other, but um, some of them are really tough places and I feel for them. Yeah. I, I'm... 
can you give me an example of of not not a specific example, but are are you writing? Are, are people responding to to your book? Is is it articles that you write about it that that strike such a chord in people that they take the time to sit down and write you an email or actually put pen to paper and say, "Hey, here's my experience," or do you ask people to share with you? When I wrote the book, I asked people to share with me. The book is based on interviews of a couple dozen people who agreed to tell me their stories. What I get now is people who have read the book and volunteer their information because I'm writing about other things. I write a lot about taxes, which is pretty far removed, and I'm uh, lately writing about end of life, uh, otherwise known as death. So my career's kind of taking a, a, a turn there. Got it. And so the title of the book, again, Gold Diggers and Deadbeat Dads, um, am I correct in, in, in drawing an assumption that, that that gold diggers refers to females and deadbeat dads, obviously guys. Oh no, it, it's across the board. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> go, um, the other name for, uh, uh, deadbeat would be, um, uh, deadbeat non-custodial parent. And that just doesn't have the same ring for a book title. No doubt. <laughs> All right. So, but men and women, uh, are, in, in engage in financial infidelity. I, 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 I guess that was my question. Is oh, it- sure, sure. I mean, we tend to think of the stereotype that um, the gold digger must be the woman and the and the deadbeat must be the dad, but um, it, it definitely works the other way around too. No, nobody has a monopoly on bad behavior. <laughs> that's, that's 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 certainly a good point right there. Got it. All right, so. So this transition, well, talking about financial infidelity, marriage and divorce, and death and taxes. Do you have a Do you have a favorite of those? I don't want to call those kind of awful topics, but but they are a little bit rough. It's it's dealing with with well, certainly not taxes, but infidelity and marriage or divorce and death. Those are those are not humanity at their best. Right. Well, I'm gravitating towards uh, death. Um, because I think that even though all the other issues are important and, and prevalent, there's no lack of um, circumstances and examples. But uh, I think if I had a blog, I would now call it death. It's even more taboo than money because it just um, really pushes people's buttons uh, even more, I think, than, than money does. Um, but there's a movement afoot to try and make people more comfortable with it and to talk and, and bring it out more as the last, um, not the last taboo, but we hope it is the last taboo. So there's people who are part of a movement called the death positive movement who are trying to encourage talking and thinking about all the different issues that go along with end of life. Death positive movement. I have not heard of that. Why, why is death taboo? Well, it, touches the things that we don't want to think about. Nobody really wants to think about their death, the death of their family members, the death of their friends. Um, There's a big ick factor. Uh, And I admit that um, I felt the big ick factor, but I've sort of pushed myself to um, do things and experience things. Like I visited a, a funeral home, and so I saw the facility where they do embalming. And I have a very weak stomach, so I really had to push myself and go. They didn't have any dead bodies there when they were doing the, the tour. So it wasn't right. quite as graphic as that. I don't think I could have dealt with that. But um, 
looking at these things and, and the tools and hearing the process from the funeral director, um, it's something I need to know about and I feel a bit more comfortable with it now. Looking at a um, crematory, same thing. You look at that and think, hmm, that could be me in there someday. Sure. Um, and kind of pushes you to, to think, do, is that where I want to be or not? And? And? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I okay. do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Seemed like I needed a follow-up question there. So, good enough. All right, so so what just you've 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 been just pulled, pushed, drawn to uh this 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 area of end of life um is just a desire to to dig deeper into it that that's why that that you took the tour or that's why you've been just you've been trying to educate yourself more fully that's right uh trying to find a way to understand it so that i can live my life better and i can help other people live their life better i know um when i have a, a will uh, when i update it that i feel a whole lot more comfortable knowing that my wishes are down on paper and are going to be carried out. In fact, whenever I leave an attorney's office and I've, I've just signed it, it, it's like I have this breath of uh, um, of relief. It's like, oh, I can hit by I can get hit by a bus now, but everything is in order. <laughs> Not that I want to get hit by a bus, no. but um, the, the people that I care about um, will I'll be helping them in some way. Uh, they'll have instructions for what is I want and hopefully they'll be happy with um, uh, with the decisions that I made and if they're not well that's just too bad that is tough luck at that point for sure yeah (laughs) revisionist history I think that there's no doubt uh, at all that that there's peace of mind from knowing that your affairs are in order it's like if you start if if you get on the path to paying off debt or you start saving money for long-term goals that's going to give you that that sense of, of, of confidence or at least a bit of peace. So so I appreciate that. Yeah, nobody ever wants to talk about uh, having a will. I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, do you have one and, and the blood document? My, uh, yeah, my wife and I do. Uh, oh, but good. but without question, it uh, it was it was on the to do list for a long time. So we procrastinated right. on it. All right. Um, I had an experience just a couple of weeks ago with an acquaintance who passed away very suddenly uh, in his 50s, just, you know, heart attack out of the blue. And no one thought he would have a will, but he actually did have one. And in the will, he named his only daughter his executor and sole beneficiary. She was uh, just out of college. She had just graduated. And um, the guy came from a big family, had a lot of brothers, sister-in-laws. The parents were still living, living. So the father, who naturally was devastated that his son had died, started trying to take control and say, well, here's what we should do with the house. Here's what about the cars and this and that. And the other sons had to tell him, look, it's not your decision. He picked somebody to make decisions for him. And I think if he hadn't had that will, what a mess it would have been. You would have had the daughter saying what she thought. You would have had the father and the mother, well, his her uh, grandparents saying what they thought, the brothers, you know, the ex-wife, everybody would have had something to say. And it would have been, it could have been quite unpleasant, could have led to a lot of arguments. And they would have, <clears throat> excuse me, had to go to um, court or the state to get it all figured out. So I hope that's a, 
um, a lesson to people why it's good to get the stuff down on paper. Well, and there's that, like everything in life, there's that gap between what we intellectually know and then what we actually do. And gosh, I can't imagine we haven't seen a movie or a TV show or know somebody in our lives that that died without a will and then we saw their family tear each other apart so do you have uh do you have thoughts on how to how to motivate people to 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 close that gap between yeah i know i ought to but i haven't gotten around to it yet well i think one reason people don't like to do it is it forces you to think about what you have, but more importantly, the people in your life who are important to you. And that can be difficult, difficult to confront. Um, and it changes over time as well, how you feel about people, but also as they get added and subtracted from your life. If you marry, if you divorce, if you have kids, people start to die off. So it's, it's not a one and done. You need to revisit it. Um, and I think if you just keep in mind that you, even though you're going to be dead, you don't want to leave a mess behind because that's what people will say to me. Well, I don't care. I'll be dead. I don't care what happens. But when you have an experience like what could have happened to my friend, you realize that, gee, I, I really don't want to leave a mess for anybody to clean up. Um, and if I leave a mess and a lawyer and a court and everybody's going to get into it, that's going to leave even less money to give to whoever is um, stands to benefit. Yeah, sometimes, I, I, and it's always going to be on a case-by-case basis, but when somebody says, oh, you know, I, I, I don't care, I'm just going to be dead, I always sort of wonder, if is that just a throwaway term and sort of a, a defense response that people throw up because they just want to avoid having the conversation? Or is that really what you think? Um, and fundamentally, if that's really what you think, well, then you're probably, you know, you're probably not a person who's going to do estate planning. You're probably not a person who's going to buy life insurance and you're probably not a person who's going to do, you know, do have, have the conversation we're having right now. Um, but to your point on all this, I mean, not doing it, the consequences of not doing it could have a rep put have irreparable damage to, uh, to the family that you leave behind. So it's so important. That's exactly right. What are some of the, uh, things that that people should be really thinking about as as you've dug into uh dug into this area well there's a couple things one is the the obvious one the will and the end of life documents the old you know pull the plug sort of um decisions you have to make although that's really a gray area because there are any one of a number of circumstances you could get into when decisions have to be made It's, it's not a black and white thing but if you can at least give some sort of idea whether you would want all measures taken to keep you alive or uh, if it gets to the point where all you want is palliative care, which is just, you know, pain, uh, pain reduction. Um, so that's one thing. That's sort of your starting point. That's kind of the most everyday thing that everybody knows, like you said, that, that you have to do. It's on the to-do list. And then you have to get into the things that are what I call before the ick factor. Like, what do you want done with your body? I mean, somebody, something has to be done with it. You're not going to be propped up in the living room. So you have to decide, do I want to be buried in a, a traditional ceremony? Do I want to be uh, cremated? Do I want to have a green burial? And there's more and more options that are coming into play uh, um, in modern times that you haven't even heard of. 
So on one hand, it's, it's good to have options. On the other hand, it's, um, it's kind of overwhelming sometimes when you realize how many decisions you have to make. So even if you opted for a traditional funeral, there's a whole lot of things that, that go along with that. Well, do you want to have, um, do you want to be embalmed? Do you want to have a viewing? Do you want to have a video tribute? Uh, do you want to, um, um, you know, it just goes on and on. And of course, every time you add something, you're adding cost to it. But um, the things that people don't naturally think about, then there's other people who are very well prepared and say, okay, this is the music that I want to play, or I don't want a, uh, very, a typical uh, ceremony at all. I want to have a party. I want a, what they'll call a celebration of life. Right. I've been to one of those where it was just wonderful because we all came, and uh, this was somebody who knew a tremendous number of people from many different uh, jobs and activities and things that she had done, and everybody came with a story about her. And we all learned something about her that we hadn't known before. And it was really, really a wonderful way to, to celebrate her rather than just mourn her. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I could certainly imagine and, and have had those experiences um, myself with, 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 with friends who have, who have passed away. Um, and I was thinking as you're talking about the different ways that people are and different and new ways that people are choosing to to make decisions on what they want to have happened. Um, and I, I'm certainly not surprised by that as, as technology advances and just, just the culture changes with social media and things like that. It's just bound to have an impact on how we want to, I don't know if it's be remembered or have obviously how, how we want, if it's a celebration of life or if it's, you know, scatter my ashes in the ocean or whatever, but I'm sure that there are, and it must be fascinating, all the different ways that, that people are coming up with. Oh, it is. It really is. And um, as you said, advances in technology are, are pushing those things along. And if we can just stand to, to hear about them, um, even though with what I always call the ick factor. Um, it, but it's funny because it brings up the same thing you said about people writing wills. People say, well, I'll be dead. I don't care about it. So some people <clears throat> say the same thing about their body. Well, I'll be dead. I don't care what you do with it. Um, but I think the, um, the body kind of touches people a little more, a little more closely. People tend to have stronger ideas, um, about how they want their, their body to be treated. Even if they think the soul is, is separate from the body. And, um, even if they think there is no afterlife, um, there is some there is some comfort from knowing what gets done with your body is is what you um, what you chose. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. Well, Valerie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Difference making tip. Um, well, I guess get your will and end of life documents done and start thinking about uh, what you want done with your dead body. I think that, like, that is great stuff. That definitely gets to come on. Come on. More uplifting tips. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but um, um, if we're going to talk about death, think about death. Um, I hope there's one more thing I could add if we've got a couple minutes. Yeah. I, I started learning more about death because I found out there were these uh, things that were called death cafes. And what these are are very informal 
meetings that are held all over the world. They're free. They're open to the public. They're unstructured. All you do is show up and talk and talk about death, any aspect. Um, the first time I went, I thought, oh, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be all these goth type people <laughs> dressed in black and it's sure. going to be very somber and, and you know, just ick. Um, but it really wasn't. It was held in a public library. There were people of all ages. There were millennials. There were um, senior citizens. And I, I go to them fairly frequently, and each one is, is very different from, from the last. And if it's something people are interested in, and I have no connection with it, I have no, uh, no agenda with it, I, I just find them interesting, it's deathcafe.com. And they're certainly going to be in your area or coming to your area. It's something that started in the UK uh, and is spreading um, all around the states. And if you want to start, uh, start in, take an easy step towards death, that's a real good one. Community for everything, Valerie. Right. That's right, George. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage cool. Nation learn more about you and your work? Great. Well, it's uh, it's great to be here. I'm so glad you gave me the opportunity, and I. I hope we didn't lose all your listeners after the first five minutes. <laughs> Where can people learn more about you? They can go to my website, which is ValerieRind.com. It's R-I-N-D. And I'm on LinkedIn under the same name, Twitter, same name, um, Facebook, same name. It's all Valerie Ryan. Excellent. Well, Savage, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, share the show with somebody who also appreciates good ideas. Go to ValerieRind.com. Check her out on social media, and I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Valerie. Thank you, George. It's been fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step step, from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!